Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Okay, today on the show, I'm really excited to have our guest with us, uh, Mr. Rob Singh. He's a commercial real estate broker who moved to San Antonio uh, about 14 years ago from the Midwest. He's got a marketing and branding background and transitioned that into a, a, to a professional real estate career. And he's done lots of things over the years, including brokering hotels and investment properties for clients. And then a number of years ago, started a private equity firm with his brother that has focused on multifamily investments, that's Spur Equity. And they have gone through purchasing some uh, multifamily investments, starting as an independent rental owner, which is a very common path for a lot of folks, and then uh, started to go into bigger properties and start to syndicate. So I love this journey. I love hearing about this story. Without further ado, Rob, welcome. How are you? Good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's an honor. Uh, just, uh, uh, you know, as you know, the new normal, uh, which is trying to uh, work from home and uh, just excited to be here. Yeah, yeah, great, great to have you on. So, uh, you know, we're recording this in April of 2020. Uh, 2020 so far shaping up to be one of the most interesting and unpredictable years on record for sure. Um, and so, uh, you know, the impacts of what's happening right now with COVID and everything will be felt into the future. But uh, aside from that, I would love right. to learn how you got into into commercial, you know, what was your background right. and then, and then, and then what led you into real estate initially? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, as I mentioned, uh, as, I guess, as you mentioned in my intro that moved from Midwest, I, I was in Des Moines, Iowa, was there for over 20 years. Uh, so my background is I'm a professional, um, advertiser and a marketer. My, my background, my, uh, education is, um, as a graphic designer. So, I had a small design studio back in Des Moines and I worked as an art director for an ad agency. Uh, moved to San Antonio just because five years after marriage, my wife said, pick me or snow. So, <laughs> it's cold so, up there. That's right. It gets cold up there. It gets hot and cold. And so anyway, yeah. uh, I, a cousin of mine used to live in San Antonio. We came and visited him here. Um, really fell in love with San Antonio. It's, it, it's more than just the city itself, it's the people. I mean, we felt it was mm -hmm. very warm and people were just very nice. Anyway, long story short, looking at different parts of the country, we moved to San Antonio, had a Penske truck and a car that we moved here, quit my job, and we moved here, stayed with my cousin for about three months. Uh, and uh, I'm a believer in education. I believe that you got to have a foundation. Uh, so moved here, thought, you know, it'd be easy to get a job. Uh, Two months later, we, my wife was, you know, she's an educator. She started working with Northeast Independent School District. Um, and then I started working with a government contractor as uh, the creative director uh, in their organization. Um, so really that's what led us to San Antonio. Uh, and also is the fact that, you know, as I mentioned, uh, the city itself, you know, the city is a growing city. It's the seventh largest city in the U.S. Um, and at that point, uh, my focus was just uh, graphics, advertising, marketing, and, and that was uh, pretty much it. Uh, so I moved here in San Antonio and started working and started working in some other ad agencies in downtown um, and um, kind of started looking at um, really um, uh, investing in flipping houses just because this is back in 2016 and 17 or 2006 and 7. That's when 
um, I think California was discovering San Antonio. A right. lot of folks were coming here, uh, buying houses, flipping houses. I was looking at these TV commercials and TV, you know, all these programs that are coming up. Anybody can flip a house. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm smart enough. I can, I can flip a house. And that's how my real estate journey started, just by looking at real estate as just buying a few homes and flipping houses. Yeah, that's great. Very common path there. What, um, yeah. so 2006 and seven, that was earlier than I got started in single family. What were you guys, what was a typical house, you know, buy rehab and sell kind of ranges? Yeah. So funny story is I never bought a house. Huh. Um, yeah. And so, okay. you know, we looked, we looked at a lot of houses, we looked at a lot of different deals, but any sort of, and remember I'm coming from, uh, not knowing anything about real estate, learning about the real estate field. Um, sure. So, um, you know, we've uh, did some mentoring programs with a few people um, and really got to understand what the after repair values of a home should be and you know, what entails um, just rehabbing a house. And so, you know, with all these formulas in place, uh, any single offer that I put into the uh, on, on a house um, a California guy or somebody else from out of, uh, out of state would come in and typically pay um, a lot more than what I was able to or wanting to pay for the house itself. So I actually never did a, I never did a deal in the, uh, you know, in, in, in buying and selling a house. But what I did do was I got my license. And the reason I uh -huh. got my license was I wanted to just save typically on that 3% commission that I sure. could just roll into anything that I would purchase. So, um, you know, got, got my license um, and started working in the, one of the brokerage companies here in San Antonio. Um, and it's, it's funny, I remember a second day into my real estate field, I get a call from this guy who owned a, a gas station. Um, and um, he's from India. I'm from India. So, you know, I kind of knew his family. He calls me right. and said, hey, I heard that uh, you're a real estate agent now can you sell my gas station? And it was funny because it was a paradigm shift for me because I went into this thing, got even got my license saying that I'm going to buy and sell houses and flip houses. Sure. And here he is calling me and saying, Hey, can you sell a gas station for me? And of course, you know, my business background and, and you know, everything I've learned, you never say no to an opportunity. Sure. I said, of course yeah. I can see. Yeah. I said, of course I can sell a gas station. And so uh, met with him over the weekend um, and I said, listen, I'm very new to this, uh, as you know, uh, but I can learn and I can learn fast. And uh, so if you want me to, um, I can take a listing and I can set a gas station. And that sort of kind of led me to my commercial real estate uh, field. Um, so it was all by chance, all by, you know, it's very organic and nothing that I planned to do. Yeah, business has a way of, uh, of doing that, <laughs> of kind of yeah. turning you on one path to another. So did you get the gas station sold? I did. So, so yeah. I had no idea. I had no idea. As I said, I didn't know what paperwork to use. I, I called one of the ladies at our work and uh, said, okay, I have an opportunity. And, and I started working in a residential real estate company, Keller Williams here in, uh, in San Antonio. And they're primarily known for uh, on, the, on the residential side. Anyway, right. uh, she met with me over the weekend, told me what paperwork to use told me for the first time what LoopNet was. I had no idea what LoopNet was. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, we, we got the listing. It was on Judson near I-35, um, sold the gas station. Um, you know, a lot of things I did wrong. A lot of things I learned. Sure, on the job first itself. time out. But 
but it was, it was just one of those things. It was an opportunity. I took it and, uh, and that was it. I never looked back. I think in my career, in my 14 years that I've done this business, I've probably sold maybe four, bought or sold maybe four or five uh, houses, residential properties. Everything else that I've done is on the commercial side. Yeah, that, that's great to hear. That sounds like the, the hand of fate intervening there and saving you from the heartache of years of flipping houses like, oh, uh, man. like yeah. I did. It can be heartbreaking. I've heard stories. I've heard stories, you know, and I have friends who do it. And, uh, um, you know, and I have, you know, I have family who still does it. They, they own it. And I'm just glad that I didn't box myself. You know, I look for opportunities and an opportunity presented itself. And I just said, hey, let's, let's go for it. Let's try it. Yeah, that's very powerful. And then once you get on the other side of having done the transaction, it's like, oh, I'm in commercial now, right? I mean, it's like, what? <laughs> Why wouldn't you? The transactions are bigger, usually have more sophisticated buyers and sellers and on and on in terms of benefits, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, um, in in some of the coaching that I do here locally with some of the other younger agents, you know, we basically just say that, you know, you got to pick and choose really at the end of the day. um, You know, you're an agent, the license is the license in the state of Texas. Um, But, uh, you know, Typically, if you really want to be successful, you choose either you want to be in residential or in commercial. And typically, when you go in commercial, just because our industry, our market is so big, uh, once you enter a commercial, there's so many different avenues that you can go to, right? I mean, you can be sure. a retail broker, uh, uh, like I am a hospitality broker. You know, you could be in industrial, in office. There are so many different spaces that you can be. Um, I, I kind of just... Uh, looked at opportunity and saw what was coming ahead. And I started just, you know, taking action based on that. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. So um, that's a, that's a great pivot into the commercial world. And then at, after some point, Rob, you guys had, had been in the commercial world, hospitality, like you mentioned, you've done different commercial transactions. Mm-hmm. At what point did the investment side and kind of getting on the other side of that table as an owner start to, peak your interest? When, when did that come in? So absolutely. Uh, you know, um, we all talk about that, especially on the, on, on the agent side that, you know, you're professional, uh, hopefully you know what you're doing. And if you do know what you're doing and you're helping your clients, it's your obligation. You should be helping you and your family at the same time. That's mm-hmm. what I preach. That's what I practice. Um, so about four or five years ago, my brother and I started talking and we've done some other investments in the past and we've bought land and some other, other, other things in the past, but we really started looking at um, that, you know, we, we should be looking into the multifamily side of things. And, and for me, um, it was interesting. Um, we've known a lot of people who've owned single family homes and uh, we've just seen a lot of issues that folks have felt uh, just with management, right? I mean, typically sure. you have a lot of competition when you're purchasing something. And then when you're trying to manage it, typically when you're buying a duplex and a fourplex or something close to that, you have to almost manage it yourself. Um, otherwise you're not making anything. And even in that, once you purchase it, uh, you could end up retenanting the property and putting all the profits back into it. So we started looking at and saying, okay, well, you know, we want to do this. Uh, we saw in 2008, 9, 10, after the downturn happened in the economy. And I looked at it from a brokerage side of view. Um, one of the industries that kept my interest going was the multifamily side of things. Uh, you know, we saw uh, multifamily kept on flourishing and flourishing. And you've been in that space for so long. Um, while um, a lot of the other prototypes went down, 
multifamily, you know, kept on going, people have to stay. Uh, people downsize, but typically, you know, either they move in with their parents or they move in together as friends, but they have to stay somewhere, right? So multifamily we saw was a really good sector. Um, so we started looking at maybe purchasing properties uh, systematically um, a lot more than just buying a duplex or buying single family homes. So about three, four years ago, my brother and I got into business together and we purchased a small 16 unit apartment complex in San Antonio. Um, and we, uh, you know, still managed it ourselves. Um, we got into the business, um, had no idea really about the business. I mean, I, I do from a broker's standpoint, but sure. from an owner, from an owner standpoint, from a management standpoint, you typically don't know until you get into the property itself. And that, so, right. you know, so that's what we did. I mean, we, we purchased it, uh, we got it at the right price point and, uh, we started operating. And this is something, did you say you still manage that today? We didn't. Uh, we, we bought that property. We uh, managed it ourselves. And a year into it, uh, we sold the property. We had a buyer who came to the table. It was an off-market deal. Um, you know, typically, you know, a lot of buyers and sellers in this market. And so uh, we sold it to a guy who came out of California back about three years ago. Uh, ah. made, yeah, made good money, right? I mean, the whole idea yeah. behind buying stuff obviously is um, making a profit and putting the profit to good use. And so um, we were lucky enough, we were in a position where well, we took the money and just kind of did a 1031 and rolled it into another property that we found. Yeah, that's great. Especially when you're, uh, you've just got yourself and your brother as a partner, easy to just kind of roll that money over. Was he coming in with 1031 money on the buy side, that, that classic California buyer, or was he, uh, um, you know, he had a lot of different options, uh, and we had a lot of different options. So we had a lot of about two or three offers on the table at that point. Um, right. so he was able to bring cash to the table and so he purchased it all cash and that made us feel comfortable and, uh, some of his money went hard. Um, and so, um, so yeah, I mean, you could say luck, whatever you want to call it, market, market was really good, but we were just able to, uh, sell that property. And then, uh, uh on the hindsight, you know, we had to find uh, a property within 45 days. And so we were able to look into a couple of properties and you know, kind of exchange that money. That's, yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, that's, that's the yeah. way to do it. And for somebody coming from California, buying a 16 unit in San Antonio cash, and this was what, 2014? Uh, seven, no, this was actually oh, okay. 2017 at that point. 17, okay. Right, so he right. probably, uh, you know, with that same amount of cash, he probably could have bought a little two bedroom in California two bedroom house in California. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean, these guys typically, as you know, I mean, they're sitting in Silicon Valley looking for properties all over the country. He sure. bought it. He had a few friends of his who they were kind of pulling money together. You can say syndication, whatever you want to call it, but it was basically him. He was, he was the lead guy. So he bought that property um, and he started managing it with uh, a company here in town. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, congratulations on kind of that full cycle deal. And then you yeah, guys were right. automatically shoehorn, not shoehorn, but you know, you've got, you've got proceeds. Right. You did a smart thing with it. Deferred taxes, a 1031 Absolutely. exchange for, for those maybe that aren't familiar with that term is where you can take your profits out of a real estate transaction. And rather than pay taxes on those profits that year, you put those right. proceeds into another project. So was there much Absolutely. discussion uh, between you and your brother slash business partner of, of were you going to 1031 or not? Or was it just automatic? Hey, roll these, roll these proceeds forward. No, I mean, you know, we were blessed uh, uh, that we didn't need to touch that money. We didn't need to sure. use that money. Right. And so we basically just said, okay, well now we have an opportunity 
here's a lump sum that we have of our original cash that we put into it, the equity that we put into it, plus the profit that we made. Uh, we don't need to touch it. We don't need to put it away. Let's use this money to leverage. And so that's what we did. I mean, we, we literally went into um, from a 16 unit property into a 50 unit property for the same price that we originally paid for from our pocket, right? And so we didn't have to raise any equity on the, the to the table itself. And, and we got a lender that uh, we typically work with, uh, relationship driven. And so, you know, they basically funded the deal very quickly. Uh, we had a transaction complete within less than 60 days, the next one. Yeah. That, yeah, that's fantastic. Sounds like sounds yeah. like a smooth uh, smooth transaction. So yeah. that was your second transaction with you know with you and your your brother. At what point um, did you start to say, "Hey, we could do bigger deals via a syndication or pooling capital from from outside investors"? When did that start to become part of the conversation for you guys? So, uh, Devin, it's very interesting. Uh, Parham and I, my brother and I, uh, you know, we would typically kind of just joke around our families would get together, you know, we'd celebrate, uh, okay, we did a closing uh, from 16, we're in the 50 unit property at this point. And we would just kind of joke around and say, okay, well, you know, our goals um, would be that we want to purchase 300 doors, 500 doors in the next five years, you know, something, we would just kind of joke around and we would laugh at it saying, well, you know, um, I guess it could happen if we keep on buying, selling, buying, selling, exchanging. Sure. Uh, but we had never uh, thought about syndication and bringing money in just because that's something that a we just never had a need for it. So we right. never thought about it. Uh, but last year in uh, twenty uh, in, in twenty nineteen, um, we started seriously looking at the syndication model because we had now our friends and family started calling us and saying, Hey, you guys are in the real estate field. Um, typically, you know, we have some money, we don't know what to do with it. Uh, let's all get together and purchase something. Um, one thing I've learned about partnerships is that, you know, partnerships in, 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 in nature uh, could be very difficult uh, if you don't see eye to eye. And sure. uh, lo and behold, if you have three, five, 10, 20 people come together, it would be even harder. So we started looking at the syndication model as something that my clients on the real estate side have used um, uh, in the hospitality field and the other fields that, you know, uh, properties that I have brokered. So we started looking at syndication models um, and really uh, for us, call it naive, call it whatever. We, we just had never thought about it before that just because we had no need for it. And sure. we, were putting, we were putting our money into the properties that we were purchasing. So last year we started looking at the syndication models, started, you know, speaking with folks like you, uh, uh, other folks that we've met. Um, so early, uh, I would say February, March, 2019 is when we started looking at learning the ins and outs of the syndication model. You know, when we syndicate, you know, what, what can we do? How can we leverage? How can we raise equity and purchase something bigger uh, than what we currently have at this point? Yeah. I mean, if you look at it, 16 units into 50 units, you've tripled your unit count on your first two right. deals, right? No, right. no reason um, why you couldn't continue up in the unit count. So you'd start to get educated uh, on the syndication model, kind of understand how you structure these things and bring on passive investors and not have, you know, one of the nice things about that model is you, you're not having 20 people pick out the backsplash in the kitchen remodel or whatever, right? It's, right. it's really the leaders of, the, of the, the management team making all the decisions, passive investors taking a backseat and just enjoying, um, 
being a participant without any work. And it's, it, that usually splits up pretty cleanly. So you'd gotten into educating yourself in this model. And then what was a tipping point for you guys? And it sounds like you had already kind of been priming the pump in terms of raising equity with family right. and friends over the years. They'd seen your successes on some of the smaller multifamily stuff, which still lays a great groundwork in terms of education experience. What was the tipping point for actually, you know, getting into a deal sure. and uh, what, what did that look like for you? Sure, sure. So last year, you know, as I said, once we started looking at the education model, started learning the syndication world um, and, and at the same time started you know, keeping our eyes and ears open, uh, we're discussing with uh, folks that we are close to uh, just on our network side um, and uh, started, uh, you know, speaking with other syndicators and seeing what they're doing, how they're doing. I mean, one of the things that we're lucky enough is that, um, you know, we've been in the real estate field for a while. So we weren't new sort of coming into the real sure. estate field itself. You know, right. I, I've known I've known the title companies and the lawyers and, and, the, and, and the service providers um, on a typical deal that needs to happen. Uh, I've known a lot of those folks, uh, you know, in the past. And plus, when we purchased our properties, we typically use the same folks in, in the past. So we started just, you know, letting them know that, hey, this is what we are wanting to do. We um, started uh, uh, attending, uh, attending meetings. Uh, we started going to some conferences, just networking. The whole idea was to, you know, once again, I believe in foundation. Uh, right. And so when 2009 and 10 uh, happened back, when real estate almost stopped like it stopped right now. And this is the new normal. I mean, this is very different. But what I chose to do at that point was um, I said, okay, well, deals, it's going to take a little while after 2008, 9, and 10 for the deals to happen. And so for me, the next logical step was going back in education and learning the foundations of the commercial real estate field because now that's what I had chosen. So that's when I did my CCIM coursework and I you know, went through the whole education. Um, same thing on this side, once we started... Uh, to make a goal and saying, okay, well, we're going to do the syndication model. It was very important for us to learn the education part of it, to understand right. what typically a deal structure is and how are other people doing what they're doing. It's not rocket science. It's just something that, it, you know, it's just a different way of doing, doing things. So that's when we started doing the networking, started uh, going to conferences, uh, started talk, talking to people, letting them know this is what we are wanting to do. Um, and so our goal last year was, uh, we're going to invest in somebody else's project in somebody else's syndication. We're going to passively invest. And if an opportunity comes in, we may look at um, raising some capital or doing whatever else that needs to happen at that point. Uh, so uh, that's really what our goal was at that point uh, last year. And uh, we found somebody who was um, um, very well educated. Uh, they had done about six or seven different deals in the Dallas market. Um, and so we came in to their project. Um, and, um, uh, and so that's how our journey kind of started. Yeah, that's such a great way to get into the syndication world. And I, I say that a lot too, that the simplest step is just to passively invest some money. Um, you know, we're not talking about a million dollars or anything. Usually a sponsor's minimums are, are significantly lower and manageable. Uh, and, and then you're really going to get to see everything, right? You're going to get to see a business plan. You're going to get to review the legal docs. You're going to get to see how all of it works, see how the sponsor communicates updates, see what the financials look like. You get to see the whole thing and be literally an owner of that LLC, albeit a small piece of it. Right. Uh, and see it all with and and participate in the benefits without any of the responsibilities. So I, I really like that approach 
um, to get into that world. And so was that something you guys, you found that sponsor, got into that deal? And, and then what was, um, how was that for you from an educational perspective to actually be, hey, we, we're, we've got skin in the game on this deal and now we're actually invested on this larger project? You know, I mean, it was very good because one thing that we chose to do was we basically just said that we're not going to passively invest in a deal unless um, unless we really believe in it. And if we're going to be on the GP side, if we're going to be on the on the sponsor side, uh, we got to put our own money in the deal itself because otherwise we will never do a deal. And the reason for that is to have our skin in the game. Uh, you know, so for that, I have to really believe in. Yeah, a project is very important, but I have to believe in the sponsor. Because sure. if I believe in the sponsor and if the sponsor is believing in the project itself, it's a win-win for me at that point. Right. And so that's what we did. And you found people who were really good at what they were doing. Um, and they had kind of gone through their own education the same way in the last two, three, four years. Um, and so we, uh, you know, we were able to work with them, saw their underwriting, made sense for us to be a part of that deal. Um, that's when we, um, uh, brought that deal to uh, not a whole lot of people, just a few people that uh, we have worked with in the past that, uh, you know, they understand our credibility. We understand them uh, because I, I believe in growing organically, but I also believe in growing, right. you know, baby steps. You know, you have to understand the models and the systems and then hopefully, you know, one day you'll just implement and just, it's a spiral approach, right? You'll keep on That's right. uh, expanding at that point. Yep, so we did that. Uh, yep. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, that's right. That spiral effect happens and your network grows, your, your education grows, and your vantage point and your outlook on things changes too as you progress, right? Well, absolutely, because the deal that, uh, or, or what I may have thought about it a couple of years ago may not actually be how you need to underwrite a project. So it's really getting access to not just the property or the underwriting, but the people and the way they think. Um, ultimately, you know, that might be something that we may look at and say, hey, that makes sense. We're going to do it the same way or we'll sure. do it a little differently, maybe a little better or whatever. But you don't know what right. you don't know at that point. And that so that's right. really what our first entry was into that business itself. So we syndicated uh, and we were uh, part of the team uh, and we closed on 208 units uh, in the Dallas market in Irving uh, last year. And so that deal closed uh, right, uh, I think, at the end of December 2020. Yeah. Outstanding. Congratulations on, yes. on that close. Um, yeah, you, you know, a big, you. big jump from single family to right. the commercial world to 16 units, 50 and 208. And that, that's how it goes. I mean, you, once right. you get in, in, in this uh, space and start learning it, it does, it does go like that. So congratulations on that. Yeah. Thank you. And it was very interesting, you know, because it's, it's one of those things where if you had asked me this two years ago, Mm -hmm. That was my game plan because I don't even know this was a game plan. This was an option at that point. Right. And right. that's where I, I feel that, you know, we, we, we I mean, we got to have vision and philosophy and plans and write those goals down. But ultimately, you have to look at opportunity and say, yes. you can't box yourself into something. Right. If an opportunity presents itself, take a hard look at it. Uh, maybe maybe the world is and the universe is asking you to move into a different direction. Um, and so, yeah, that's um, I'm just. Uh, you know, I'm lucky. I'm, I'm glad that, you know, my brother and I had the same vision and we looked at it and said, okay, well, it's not, it's not really a risk. It's looking at it a little differently. It's understanding, which is a little different. Um, so we did that and uh, got into another project in the Houston market uh, recently, which closed last month. Um, and that project was about 265 units uh, in uh, near uh, Woodlands area. Uh, so that project is very similar we really reviewed and understood 
who the sponsor of the deal was because if the sponsor is somebody that I believe in and I'm going to put my money in it, um, I know they have already done a good job of. So uh, on the sponsor itself, on the Houston deal, uh, as I was saying that, uh, you know, we really believed in the sponsor itself. And I, I knew that if I believe in the sponsor, the sponsor has already done their job um, of underwriting the property. Um, and so uh, we worked with them and closed on that 265 units in Houston last month. Uh, we were able to be lucky enough to be on the GP side of, uh, of that also. And so we rolled that property to a few more of our investors that wanted to uh, typically passively invest into the properties. Right. Yeah, that's outstanding. Um, I like what you said about being open to opportunities, right? I mean, it's, it's, I think it's important to set goals and timelines. And, and I think those things help. What I've always found is they help illuminate any current weaknesses, right? Hey, if we have this target for two years out, say of X amount of units or whatever, well, that might highlight some, tar some things today that we need to improve. We need a better system for this, or we need X, Y, and Z, uh, that target may change or life Absolutely. may throw us a curveball, but there's always going to be opportunity there. So, so I like that you kind of take both approaches. You have goals, you proceed Absolutely. confidently towards them, but there's opportunities that come up that we, that we can't foresee. Uh, you know, and right now things are more kind of an interesting space, uh, with, uh, with COVID and shelter in place and economic impact and everything. But assuming we all get back to work here in the near term, what do you guys, uh, what do you guys foresee for the future? Is it, is it more multifamily looking at more deals, things like that? Uh, absolutely. Uh, yep. We are looking at, we're looking at multifamily um, as a product type, um, you know, because that's what we're really starting at on, on the, on the syndication side of things. Um, sure. But uh, yeah, you know, I understand commercial real estate as a whole. And so we're going to be looking at other property types also. But as I said, the focus at this point right now is multifamily. Uh, and with where we're at currently right now, you know, it's, I, I think everybody has a pause button at this point. And, and sure. it's, it's good to reflect and see um, and look at the vision that we've had in the past and maybe change uh, to align ourselves to those goals that we originally set to do. Um, so, but we're very gung ho. We're very positive overall about the uh, environment. I, I believe, you know, when we went into this, uh, um, the healthcare crisis before that, our economy was very strong. Um, my, my best year in my uh, brokerage business was last year. Um, right. And last year, uh, if you were to ask me, it was my previous year before that. Right. And right. so it's, it, you know, it's something that, you know, we keep on doubling or duplicating. And so all of a sudden it stopped for everybody, but this is a pause button, nothing more than that. I feel that economy overall is pretty good. Um, in some sectors, it may take a little while to get back. Um, I do, I buy and sell a lot of hotels for my clients. I understand the hotel world. Uh, maybe there's a, you know, a opportunity in the near future for us based on what's happening today, but definitely multifamily is a very secure um, world that we feel, uh, the product type that we feel that we're in it. Uh, people, everybody around the world need, you know, they need a shelter, they need a, a roof to, uh, you know, stay. And so we like this field and we're going to be in it. Uh, our goals are very aggressive this year. And so, um, uh, you know, we'll see what happens now based on uh, the timeline that we're in at this point. Uh, but we'll end up probably looking at um, and doing a couple other sponsor deals with uh, other folks and then also leading one or two projects ourselves.
Yeah. Outstanding. Outstanding. Yeah. Well, I, I um, tend to agree. You know, I think that there's massive global impact with kind of economies around the world coming to a halt, but there's not, there's not an underlying cause like mortgage backed securities or a dot-com bubble or some of these other things have happened. Obviously there's a black swan event that nobody saw coming, right. but right. once you return people to work now, clearly people are going to be licking their wounds for, for, a while to come and some businesses are, are going to be irreparably impacted. But in general, there's not an economic underlying cause here other than, right. um, you know, a, a sudden halting of everything, which is impactful. But my, my hope right. is uh, that we can get, all get back to work soon. And everybody wants to do deals. Brokers want to do deals, owners, sellers, buyers, lenders, everybody wants to transact. Right, right. Um, so, so hopefully we can, can get out there sooner than later and, and start, start getting after it again. Um, well, this has been, this has been great. I love this journey, Rob. I, I love hearing that, you know, you've been in the commercial space and decided to kind of come over to the, the owner side as well and have had success there. If somebody wants to reach out, learn more about what you're doing on the investment side, what's a, what's a good avenue for them to do that? Yeah, absolutely. Love to talk to people. Uh, um, we, uh, you can reach me at uh, my uh, email, which is Rav, R-A-V, V as in Victor, at SpurEquity.com. That's our company. Um, or go to SpurEquity.com and we have our contact information there. Outstanding. Well, we'll link to that in the show notes on this, this podcast episode. And uh, Rob, I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much for, for sharing your story. That was great. Absolutely, Devin. Thank you. Thank you very much. Good luck to you. All right. Take care. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to the DJE Podcast. For more information, please go to djetexas.com.